Welcome to The Greg Bennett Show. I'm your host, Greg Bennett. Well, what a privilege this was to have the Tokyo Olympic Games Triathlon gold medalist, Christian Blumenfeld, join me once again for an amazing insight in just what it took to win the gold medal. And in this episode, Christian breaks down the race from the false start all the way through to his incredible surge to victory with just over a kilometer left in the run. He describes his preparation and his mindset going into the games and what that medal means to him. We conclude by discussing what's next, and it blew my mind what he has planned. Just what a thrill it was to have him join me, the Olympic Games gold medalist, just four days post-race. Now, before we go on, I just want to thank you for listening. Um, Thank you for sharing the show. Those of you that are enjoying it, you can do me a huge favor by sharing. Um, You can also support the show's partners, Athletic Greens, Hyper Ice, and Form Swim Goggles. That really supports the show if you can do that. You can support the show if you're enjoying it through Patreon. Um, you can give as much as you like or as little, um, and you can conclude that when, whenever you like. I hope you enjoyed this one as much as I did. What a thrill. And remember, success comes to those who endure just one moment longer. A quick mention of the show's partners. These are all great companies and products that I use daily. If you want to support the show, you'd be doing me a massive favor by supporting these brands. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice. Hyperice is my go-to solution for recovery and restoration. The handheld percussion therapy devices, the Normatec boots, and the vibrating rollers all release your deepest muscle tension and just aid your recovery. I own the Hypervolt Plus, I own the Hypervolt Go, the Normatec boots, and the vibrating rollers. And both my wife Laura and I use them every day before and after workouts and before bed. They're all just so easy to use at home. They're, they're quiet, easy to charge, and have ready at any time. I encourage you to look after your body. Honestly, it's the only thing you get to keep for all of your life. All these Hyperice products are just simply brilliant. Get 10% off all Hyperice products using the exclusive Greg Bennett Show code, GREG21, at checkout. Go to hyperice.com, that's hyperice.com, H-Y-P-E-R-I-C-E dot com and use code GREG21 at checkout. This episode is brought to you by my longtime partner, an amazing company and brilliant product, Athletic Greens. I'm using Athletic Greens every day. Great taste, so quick and ready to go. Athletic Greens is a delicious blend of 75 superfoods and vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and a greens blend and more to support gut health, energy, and immunity and stress. I've also been doubling down on Athletic Greens Vitamin D. A huge portion of the population are Vitamin D deficient, myself included. And right now, Athletic Greens will give you a year's supply of Vitamin D for free and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Do yourself a favor and sign up. It makes a great gift for a family member or a friend. So sign up now and get a free year of supply of Vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase by visiting athleticgreens.com forward slash Greg. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash Greg. This episode is brought to you by Form. In my opinion, Form Smart Swim Goggles are the biggest thing to hit the swimming world. With Form Smart Swim Goggles, you can see all your key metrics while you're swimming, your distance, your pace, stroke rate, and heart rate. The swim data is displayed on the goggle lens and you can customize the display to see the key metrics that you want to see. I couldn't believe it when I first tried them. They fit like normal, comfortable goggles, and the display is there, but it's not in the way. I consciously look at the lens to see my stroke rate and my pace and my heart rate and distance. If you're a pool swimmer or an open water swimmer, I encourage you to check these goggles out. Please go to formswim.com forward slash Greg. Again, that is formswim.com forward slash Greg and get $15 off the Form Smart Swim Goggles at checkout or use code Greg 2021 at checkout. All right. The guest I have on the show today was last on in episode 14. And I said in that show that I believe the next generation of triathletes are here. And I don't mean to brag. I simply have been so impressed with his preparation and build over the last 10 years that I said in that episode that I believe he would win the gold medal at the Tokyo Olympic Games. And since that episode, I've had his coach, Aril Svetten, on episode 69, and his training partner, Gustav Eden, episode 52 on the show. And between all of them, I listened to what they were doing in preparation for these games, and I was left without a doubt that they would be ready. So without any further ado, I am delighted to welcome back onto The Greg Bennett Show, 
the Tokyo Olympic triathlon gold medalist, Christian Blumenfeld. Huge congrats, mate. How are you? Where are you? Oh, thank you very much. Oh, I'm uh, doing fine. I'm very tired after a long travel, but uh, I just made it uh, back home now in Bergen. haven't been here since uh, mid-January, so it's been uh, a really long journey since uh, I left home like six, seven months ago, and uh, yeah, I'm just pleased to be able to bring the gold medal back home. Mate, well, it's it's such a privilege for me to have you join me on the show. I did write you just before the games, maybe a week before, and I said, Christian, you know, when you win that when you win that medal, would you would you mind coming on my show post Olympics? And so here we are, and I I really am delighted for you. Um, I have a special shout out and a special thank you. Um, right after the race, you did an interview with BBC, and I'm not sure if you remember because I know you've done so many since, but. You mentioned that you'd listened to my show with all the previous gold medalists on it with uh, Simon Whitfield, Hamish Carter, Jan Ferdino and Alistair Brownlee. And you said in that interview, I want to be on that list. Um, so thank you for mentioning that on BBC. It's great for my show, great for my ego, but also um, just welcome to that list, mate. It's uh, absolutely incredible. So congrats and thank you. Well, thank you very much again. Uh, as I said, uh, I think you posted a uh, kind of the chat around the former Olympians uh, like a few days before my own race and uh, uh, kind of uh, I wasn't sure if it were something I should listen to or not you know when you're building into the race you, mm. somehow you don't want to have the kind of listen to all the talk pre-race you don't want to listen to all the uh, kind of who is thinking who is a favorite you just want to be in the bubble but also it's uh, kind of I just couldn't stay away from uh, listening to it. And uh, uh, as you said, to now be actually the fifth athlete ever to be in like Olympian, Olympic champion in the triathlon, it's just, uh, yeah, I'm unreal. I, I remember when, when I was recording that episode and I was interviewing each of them and I thought, gosh, any, any athlete that's actually going to race, this is worth listening to because there were actually quite a lot of great takeaways on how to perform and, and what it takes to win that gold medal. And I thought it might just ignite a fire um, in, in certain athletes. Obviously, did you might have helped a little bit in, in, in your process. But, you know, when you hear sort of Alistair Brownlee, Jan Ferdinand, Hamish Carter, Simon Whitfield all describe how they won, um, and yours was very similar to sort of what we saw in a lot of those in the way that you accelerated towards the line. Um, so it was, it was fantastic. But what I want to do today is uh, just start with the race um, and then maybe go back and have a look at how you prepared and, and maybe bounce around a bit after that. So let's jump right to it, the race, mate. The swim, um, let's start with that false start. Did you get a better start the first time around or the second time around? Uh, well, first of all, I think I, I found it quite weird, you know, because I saw the boat filming us just in front of us, and then very, very quickly after it passed me, we had a gun go off. So when I jumped into the water, I kind of had this feeling that wasn't that boat just in the middle of half of the field. So I was mm. kind of looking around, seeing if, see if I could like find any uh, kayak coming, uh, kind of trying to stop us. And uh, so I, I kind of thought, okay, it's probably going to be pulled back, if not stay in a decent position. Uh, so it wasn't really a big surprise that uh, we had to go like for a second start. And mm. uh, then again, you just have to refocus and think that, okay, it's uh, actually not that bad to have this kind of uh, uh, last minute warm up, you know, getting the chance of diving, doing uh, a quick uh, 50 or 100 meters and then uh, chilling down again. So, uh, I think it helped on the nerves as well before the second uh, time. Yeah, I, I was kind of thinking that perhaps either you had a good start the first time around and so you're like, okay, I'm on and I'm ready to go, or you had a bad start and you were kind of like, okay, I'll get a second go at it, so that's all right. I mean, I timed it from when you guys started the sprint to when you finished, and it was about 35 seconds, so you're looking at you know, 60, 70 metres there. And um, 
yeah, it, it was a decent effort, but then I think it was a kind of a five to 10 minute kind of until you're back on the line again. What I also noticed um, was that yourself, Hayden Wild started next to each other and uh, Alex Yi was only two spots from you. So the medals started in uh, between 15 and 12 on the pontoon. Do you think that was a good place to start? Yeah, I think uh, all of us, like highest ranked, choose to be on the right side except for the uh, Skuman and Johnny. So mm. that uh, when you have all the favorites basically on one side, uh, that's uh, it's kind of a reason why the rank we have the ranking. So it's not necessarily just the position on the pontoon. It's more the, mm. the fact that we got to choose first and we choose to be around each other. Uh, but it made it a little bit easier to have control of where I thought like my main competitors were on the swim because yeah. I, I stand, was standing next to Hayden Wall and I knew that what he did in Leeds um, a few weeks earlier, uh, first race back uh, from uh, being uh, locked down in uh, New Zealand doing local races was quite impressive. And um, also I, I had the sense that... Uh, like a lot of good runners were around me. So even though I went ending up being like 25 seconds off the front, I still had this kind of feeling that it would come down to a run race. It's all about getting through in a safe position with a good control on the swim, uh, not going too much into the red zone, uh, but uh, kind of trying to go controlled and then uh, onto the bike. Uh, I, we were just behind kind of that 10 man breakaway. I think we had like 15, 20 seconds up. And again, I tried to not use too much energy. Uh, I was like one of five guys doing the work, but uh, if I did it all by myself, I guess I could have closed it down in one lap if I went kind of all out there. But I thought that mm. it's actually good to use a few laps, make a, a make the guys in the first pack believe that if they push hard now they might be able to get away and also to share the work in my pack to uh, make sure that a lot as many as possible kind of uh, went to the front so i tried to stay calm look at my heart rate trying to get it dropped throughout the the bike course and yeah just trying to stay in control I, I think uh, you've just summed it up so well. I think, you know, looking at the men's race, it really didn't break in the swim. The breaks happened uh, in that first transition where, you know, like you said, sort of 10 guys got away um, and a little gap. At the, there was tremendous self-belief in what you just said. There was this confidence that <clears throat> you were kind of thinking, well, if that 10 work hard, believing they can get away, they're going to tire themselves out and I can sit here and wait a couple of laps and know that I – there's a real confidence there that you knew you could close that gap. Who who were the guys that were working with you? It looked like on TV that you had Hayden Wild and Alex Yee both there with you. Was it those guys? Who who were the big the big helpers? I, I think Hayden Wild was with Gustav in the oh, beginning okay. on the bike. I'm not sure, mm. uh, but Alex Yee did kind of his part of the work, and also Jake were there, and Casper mm-hmm. did the work, and then also we had. The Canadian domestic trying to do the opposite, uh, slow us down uh, <laughs> to, <laughs> to do his work as he were uh, with us and having Tyler up front, which was mm. the kind of fair. But again, our job is to catch the, those guys in front and not let him do his job. Uh, so we were like four or five guys uh, sharing the work in the beginning there. And also mm. Aaron Royal came up uh, in the end. And then I think after 20K or something, we finally bridged up properly. And then for the last 20K, it was, it was kind of no real attack. It was no real fight for the position either. Uh, we had uh, uh, Sharp being in the front. And I, I knew that I didn't want to let the Sharp and Miss Lechuk kind of Get, get a, giving Mr. Jerk a free ride. So uh, at every chance I got, I tried to squeeze myself in between those two and be kind of getting the most benefits of having uh, Matt there as a domestic. 
And <laughs> so I, I was like, I was like telling him, yep, Tyler, he's on my wheel. Just go, just go. Like, <laughs> to, uh, try to kind of take control uh, and just stay safe without really touching the wind too much on the bike. Because mm-hmm. um, uh, I saw from uh, Leeds that uh, Alex, he, he, he were, uh, yeah, he run like a minute faster than what I did in, in Leeds and 20 seconds or something faster than Morgan Pearson. So I knew that he was uh, showing here that he was ready to go fast on the run. And if I would have any chance to, uh, to go with him there, I thought that uh, I need to be playing my card right and uh, uh, really believing in myself on the run there and not trying to do kind of something half-hearted uh, half tried attack on the bike uh, mm. because uh, uh, I put like all, everything in one basket and that were to uh, do the, the same as I did in Yokohama. Mm. That would have been hard for you though because we are so used to seeing you for years. I mean, less the last couple of years, I mean, we haven't raced much, but where you have attacked so aggressively towards the end of the bike to open up that sort of 30 seconds to 50 second lead type thing. This one, you had to sort of restrain yourself and go, no, 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 no. Just rest, rest, rest. Be ready. Be ready. Was it like that? You had to keep telling yourself that, or was that the race plan you went in with? And it was just okay. That's all the only race I'm going to do. Uh, it was uh, actually something I decided pre-race that uh, don't just go by instinct. You know, try to be clever. Try to uh, hold back. Try to uh, stay up front without really touching the wind and uh kind of uh, also instead of just being mid-pack and having to do those kind of really hard surges uh, out of the corners try to be in a position where i could actually ease them a little bit off and instead of doing like 10 seconds super fast sprint out of the corner i could do like maybe 14 or 15 and drag kind of the acceleration a little bit longer to be able to have less bikes in my ride compared to what it could have been mm-hmm. and then obviously the fight for in for second transition that was uh i was expecting mm-hmm. it to be much tougher actually that we would have like guys coming from behind uh trying to fight for a good position uh so that was something that i found quite strange in, in the race that uh i could actually be up front there with maybe uh four or five guys without really having to fight for positions. Mm. Uh, it was a little bit on the second last lap, I think, before, like, okay, before coming into transition and the same on the last lap, but not more than that. Uh, people were kind of scared, I think, for the heat and trying to do mistakes. So a mm. lot of people were kind of also going for the run race. Yeah, so it was a little bit more cautious than usual. And I wonder also if it was just because it was a smaller field um, and perhaps, you know, there's guys in there that were just to some degree happy to be at the Olympic Games and just trying to do the best they could. And almost there's a – when there's a couple of generals in the in the pack, yourself and, and Alex Yee and, and some of the leaders, you know, Brownlee, there's almost a little bit of, okay, we'll let – they're okay right there. I'll, I'll sit right behind them. I mean, there's that kind of mindset that probably goes on in a, in a maybe subconscious rather than a conscious decision. But, um, you know, with yourself and Alex, you, you both have won the World Series races leading into these games. And, and I think you put yourself in that position where people are like, okay, it's okay. I'm on Christian's wheel. That's a good wheel to be on. I'm not going to fight him for it. Um, and then now, mate, the run. Tell me about that. Did the pace feel at any point where it was too high or, or, or too slow, especially early on? Uh, I, I felt quite good coming off the uh, run there and in a good position. And uh, so the pace wasn't like the problem. It, what, what surprised me the most were that we were actually like 10 or 12 guys running together for quite a long time. Like mm. uh, when I run with... Uh, Yell and uh, Alex in Yokohama, for example, we got like a gap quite early uh, already from the first K and we had kind of the separation there for the podium. But in Tokyo, we had, uh, it was kind of still on the run. You had more fight for the position on the run almost in the first 
three four k than I had to do on the bike. So uh, <laughs> so at one stage I saw the race in the replay. I'm going like from being second position to be like in seventh and eighth, and I mm. heard like the commentator were like saying, oh, "Okay, this is not looking good." <laughs> you know, he's going backwards. Mm. But then it was it was more that uh, it was like everyone wanted to be up front on the run. So I tried again to uh, be really aware when I saw small gaps uh, happening and just uh, jump across quickly on the run there. And also, again, be patient enough to wait for the last uh, 5K. Mm. And, and it seemed to me that, Alex, you was either happy enough to lead or everybody was, everyone was happy enough to sit behind Alex, you did it feel that way to you? I think, uh, yeah, I, I was surprised that he was that doing that much work on the run. Uh, but also maybe that was kind of a, a strategy from after racing in Leeds where he just went in his pace. Uh, so um, uh, for me, it was good. Like he was pacing well. Uh, but also we had some some guys trying to get through and pick up the pace. Like uh, Dorian at one stage mm-hmm. came through, I think, after one lap. And also Max Studer, for example. So, again, it was a little bit change of the lead. Uh, but he, he was doing uh, most of the work, for sure. Mm. And also Hayden was always in a good second, third position. Yeah, I haven't spoken to Hayden, but it de- definitely looked like Hayden had all eyes on Alex's back and he wasn't going to let it go. <laughs> now, let's get to the, 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 the crux of the race, mate, because... When you went, I mean, was that planned? Was it planned to be at that point? Was it 1K to go? How far was it? Well, I, I just kind of test them a little bit. Like, I think it was with 3K to go, we were still eight guys on things together. And then on the way up to the turning point, I put in like this little acceleration, uh, kept the push uh, around the 180, and then back again, back again through the coach's feed zone. And then suddenly we had like this separation for the first time in race, race where we had a gap down to Johnny Brownlee in fourth. And mm-hmm. uh, then again, I tried to, okay, now the gap is happening. Uh, try to motivate the guys behind me that we now, now we all have a podium. Let's uh, keep the pace rich now for the next few Ks. But you were then, talking uh, to you actually You were actually yes, talking to uh, Yeah. I, I, said, I said like this is the podium, let's go. Like, because when you get like this message, it's very easy to, uh, you, you, all, you all want to bring home a medal for sure. That's kind of uh, an ambition in itself for all athletes. So uh, uh, I try to kind of uh, motivate, motivate them to actually put the hammer down a little bit earlier. Uh, so then I went back a little bit to save myself and i think i started with 2k to go to to go with like the first surge out of the last lap and then it didn't really work uh because it's it's hard to go too early so Mm. i kind of have to test myself my legs a little bit and kind of pick it up gradually and then with like 1500 to go i gave it a proper try again and i didn't expect it the gap to happen that early i thought i had to keep push pushing like for uh maybe another 500 meters to really open up the gap but then when i first saw the gap coming i just thought that okay this is actually happening in the olympic games i'm on the way to open up the gap to become olympic champion don't give them a chance to come back for this and from there on and home uh it was basically all out sprint like uh it's the last care of my life and then from coming into that uh into the beach on the blue carpet uh kind of realizing that uh it's really happening it's uh yeah unbelievable feeling and also seeing the finish tape in front of me uh i was like uh, on on the swim fam and bike fam if you the days before, I'd be kind of looking at this finish line and kind of having it in my mind. Uh, it was looking so good, kind of, even though it was empty seats uh, from the grandstand. 
it was kind of looking so uh, kind of with with Olympic logos, everything it was kind of looking so nice, and uh, it was something uh, I've been dreaming about for uh, mm. so many years. So it's yeah, really a relief as well to cross the finish line first. I think we've been uh, quite uh, vocal about our ambition for the race. Like I've said for years that uh, I want to win the Tokyo Olympic Games and uh, I've always almost uh, guaranteed a gold medal here. So uh, to actually be able to perform and achieve and bring the medal back home was uh, really, really relieved. A quick mini break to remind you of the show's incredible partners. You can get 10% off all Hyperice products using the exclusive Greg Bennett Show discount code GREG21 at checkout. Go to hyperice.com and use code GREG21. A quick reminder to do yourself a favor and sign up to Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens also makes a great gift for any family member or friend. So sign up now and get a free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase by visiting athleticgreens.com forward slash Greg. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash Greg. If you want to see all your key metrics like pace, distance, stroke rate, and heart rate while you swim, you need the Form Smart Swim Goggles. Go to formswim.com forward slash Greg. That's formswim.com forward slash Greg and get $15 off or you can use code GREG2021 at checkout. It's such a sweet feeling when you put a goal so big out there you've put the pressure on yourself you said i'm going to do it i mean i remember when you said on the episode we did and you said you know i, t- I talked to a real in 2010 you know and we said well what do we want to do in this sport and you said well i want to win the tokyo olympic games i mean you've been you've been riding that exact goal you know for for a long long time and then to l- deliver on it i just want to quickly step back on one bit when did you really feel like you had it won was it as you ran on the blue carpet and you had to go around that little corner you, did you get to see Alex Yee in second then is that when you kind of knew or when was it that you actually go okay I think I've got this just hold it together I think it was kind of on the way back going through the last aid station where the coaches could hand out their drinks to us that was maybe 800 to go uh, I knew that when you first give up give a gap like that to someone it's very hard to close it down so uh and i felt like uh i can just not pick up the pace but at least uh, stay at the same pace going into the finish line so uh i felt like i had had this tiny gear left that i if he came back i could still go for a sprint so mm-hmm. i think maybe with six seven hundred meters to go i felt that this is really happening but again, then it's very important to stay focused, don't losing the, don't letting the emotion, emotions getting in too early. Because I guess mm-hmm. I've seen athletes starting to think too much about actually having the win in the pocket, and suddenly uh, you, you get the kind of you, you feel the shakiness in your legs, and uh, suddenly, yeah, boom, you hit the wall, and uh, you get second or third instead. So I try to kind of stay away of uh, feeling kind of uh, the joy of the wind before actually getting into the blue carpet. And uh, then I could find a kind of, uh, yeah, scream of happiness when I had like 10 or 20 meters left. And uh, uh, yeah. But did you yeah. have that moment like Jan Ferdino did? What am I going to do when I cross the line here? <laughs> Yeah, I think it's it's you dream about crossing the line so many times, and you have so many uh, uh, scenarios of how you actually want to uh, mm. finish the race. But uh, when you actually get there, it's just kind of pure instinct how uh, you kind of celebrate and uh, um, yeah. And then and then you collapsed on the ground, mate. I mean, that effort on your face. Um, and I'm curious, uh, surely a real's got it. Whatever your split was for that last kind of mile, 1K, um, must have been just absolutely phenomenal. But the, the, the effort on your face, um, I think the whole world's talking about this grit um, that you had. Did it hurt as much as you were putting on? Or, you know, 
<laughs> it, it looks painful, mate. Well, I think the whole thing is to close that out. You know, you don't feel. Uh, mm. You just try to focusing on uh, pushing us, like pushing the next level, pushing, 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 and just uh, ignoring the feeling of how tired you are because it doesn't really matter. No, it's all about <laughs> <laughs> like we like the lungs burned. Like I felt like uh, uh, the ventilation was really, really peaking there. Like for example, when I was breathing, uh, but then you just uh, recognize it and then it's not much more you can do about it you know you just keep going and keep pushing and uh, uh, especially when you are having so much adrenaline you don't uh, it doesn't hurt that much somehow you know it's more you are in a position where you can just squeeze out absolutely everything and then uh, when you cross the line you kind of uh, get the feeling of how tired you actually were Mm. And and you did collapse across the line, and from all accounts, I think you, you you're a bit ill, you're a bit sick at the the finish there. Was that the the water quality, or was that the effort? You know, at the end there. No, it's just the yeah the fact that I pushed myself there. Mm. Uh, the water was fine, I guess, with the the testing they were doing, and uh, I wasn't really sick. It was more the fact that I squeezed out everything I had there, and also. For the race, I was drinking quite a lot more than usual uh, for a race. So, and also on the run there, I tried to stay hydrated. So, mm. um, I guess I had kind of maybe left leftovers in my stomach uh, <laughs> that just had to go up. And I know the, the, only, the only annoying thing was that after the finish line, you know, when I just had to empty myself, you know, I had people around who wanted to help, but. It's not much they can do, you know. I just want to puke it up and then um, sort of fine. I thought it was fantastic. I loved it. And then those moments after the race, um, you got to share it with your teammates who crossed the line not soon after you, uh, both Gustav Eden and Casper Stornes. And and Arild, I mean, you guys have all been such a close unit for so many years um, and you've got a bigger team than that. You know, what was that feeling like to just share it with those guys? Well, that was uh, pure happiness. Uh, of course, I can understand that both Gustav and Kasper, they had ambition of getting uh, on the podium and they were both dreaming about uh, getting a medal uh, and uh, winning the race. Uh, but again, we had a really strong team performance, like all three top 11 and uh, yeah, really kind of being up there in, in the race and also to see Avil and Olav, uh, the first time after the race, was just pure happiness, you know. It's not just me as an athlete who's been uh, uh, not sacrificing because it doesn't feel like that, but kind of using so much of her uh, life to get this uh, gold medal. You know, they are using at least as much time and uh, energy on uh, being the best that they can be. So... Uh, they have really been uh, working hard for the last five years since Rio. They've been hungry since day one after Rio. And, of course, they, the pressure was on them as well, you know. How, how we were performing would come, were kind of their results. So uh, they were massively relieved uh, as well for getting the medal. I just think, I mean, that whole team unit, like I said in the introduction, you know, I've had several of you on on the show and I've always been impressed not only by the kind of physical training you're all doing and the science and the data, but this this brotherhood that you seem to have, this camaraderie that I don't know that any of the other countries have, um, that, that where, you know, you've both, you've all been excited for each other to do well. You know, with Gustav Eden winning the 70.3 world champs and you winning, well, everything else that you've done. It's just been this, I've really found this mutual respect and admiration you have for each other has been, I think, something that separates you guys from the other countries of the world. There's a real brotherhood. Would you agree? Yeah, totally. And I think mm. uh, the fact that we've been training for so many years together, like start training with Gustav back in 2012 and the year after with Casper, it's uh, something we have been dreaming about for so many years 
it's been a common goal for all of us and uh, we've kind of learned to appreciate the fact that the more we are working together the more we will increase our chances to perform uh, all of us so uh, kind of uh, both Gustav and Kasper is making my job easier to perform in races uh, by helping me in the training and optimizing and making me learn more uh, for example, all the data we're using is something we're sharing uh, with each other. So when Gustav uh, or Kasper is going to the lab, I have uh, the chance to look and learn from what they're doing. And the same they can do for my numbers. And then uh, we can use that to uh, improve, improve each other. It's not often you have uh, two world-class athletes you can take you know, almost read their training diary from. Uh, mm. to learn from their experience and i think that's uh, really helping i love all of that and and you guys have been so scientifically focused did you know kind of that you would run a 2930 i mean you ran a 2934 was you know did, did you have a number in mind or was that just run as hard as you can uh well i did like 29 20 something in yokohama 25 or something so mm. I did expect that I would have to be in the neighborhood of that again, just under tougher conditions. Uh, but also I wasn't sure what the numbers would be in the course itself, because uh, from the test event, I thought that the run course was a little bit short, but it uh, apparently it's the same course as we had this year. And uh, uh, it seems legit, I would say. But uh, like it depends how hard the bike course is going, uh, so it's it's hard to have like a specific timing to trying to reach for a ten k. It's more about the uh, yeah the overall position in the end. Yeah, the effort. Okay, here, here we go. What's been the reaction in Norway? Uh, how has it been since you got home? Oh, it's been uh, massive. Like. Uh, it's actually the first gold medal since uh, London on the summer side. So uh, uh, it's it's really good to kickstart uh, this year's uh, uh, Olympics from Norway side. Uh, uh, hopefully we'll have a stronger games than we had in Rio. Where we only had like three bronze or four bronze medals. So I think we are like a very hungry generation now who's really keen to perform and Hopefully, we'll see like now as athletics is starting that we will take home more medals and also the handle is finishing up. So I think we are a group of really hungry athletes who is, uh, uh, want to uh, kick back from what we did in Rio and London. Uh, but I think that showcased a little bit of what the response in media has been back home as a uh, it hasn't been too many Olympic gold medals uh, in the past. And also the fact that it's the first one to Bergen on the summer side. So uh, it uh, means a lot. Oh, mate, that is so fantastic. I love that. I love that you're basically setting the tone for the rest of the country. And, and no matter what happens for the rest of this Olympics, because we are recording this only four days after you, your race, um, but whatever happens to rest in Norway, you, you, they still have your gold medal um, and such an incredible one. Now I want to just, I want to flick back the switch just a little bit because you raced early in the year and you raced well, you know, you won the Yokohama WTS race. Um, then you won a world cup the following week. You came sixth at Leeds, which wasn't terrible, but it was, start, some people started to question, you know, if you peaked too early and that kind of thing. What was that final couple of months like in training? Did you guys go back up to altitude? What were you doing specifically to get ready for the Tokyo Games? So, as you said, I did four races or five races, including really back-to-back mm-hmm. there in May and June, and I came in with a really good form and winning the first two ones. And then I came to Italy and felt this... Uh, uh, kind of stomach issue kind of in, in the race leading up or in days leading up to the race where uh, I felt a little bit loose in the stomach and that I didn't really absorb all the energy. 
So I think actually for the Italian race where I finished seventh, uh, it was more a nutrition side than the form itself because uh, I think racing back-to-back isn't that hard. Like uh, it's a lot of recovering in between and it's more uh, kind of uh, uh, a tough session that's giving me that kind of uh, muscular stimulus that's going to make me even stronger for next week. So... I was uh, aiming for just getting stronger and stronger throughout the racing. But then I got this kind of Italian race and then managed to get a little bit better before Leeds. But then uh, felt strong, oh, okay on the swim, okay on the bike. But then I came into transition there and uh, my hamstrings, especially my left hamstring, was really sore and cramping up. And... In, in transition and uh, we had this first uphill climb on the run and I thought that I had somehow control of it but then when we started running flat and downhill again I I, I couldn't really run I just had to jog uh, and I felt the pace of the front runners wasn't the problem it was just my hamstring that uh, didn't play on my side and the funny thing is that also in Yokohama, I had this kind of uh, issue with my hamstring there on the second and third lap of the run. But back then, I thought that it was just uh, kind of running the high pace and maybe the new carbon shoes that was uh, affecting my muscle a little bit differently and it wasn't a big deal. But then when I got it again in uh, Leeds, uh actually realized that it was maybe more a cycling problem than a running problem so i tried to take out the impact of my hamstring while i was riding so i did kind of adjust my position a little bit on the bike to get the saddle more forward to use my quads more and also go a little bit higher on the saddle uh just to be able to save my hamstring more and i think uh the experience I got in Leeds there and kind of the fact that I had, I think it was six weeks from Leeds until the games to do a, a change there on the bike was really helping me. And also the, the training in the altitude was uh, good, very solid. I was in good shape uh, uh, across swim, bike and run. So, of course, it gave me confidence going into the games in the same way as I... I had the confidence from being in Sierra Nevada and then going to Oklahoma performing. I felt like I am uh, really in the shape I want to be now one week away from the games. Uh, mm. And that makes it easier, I guess, to deal with the nerves. I never felt like I had to do kind of this magical session where I had to really push really hard to uh, get in shape. I felt that I was actually more than pleased with what I did on the run and what I did on the bike. And uh, also the times in the pool was getting solid compared to elected. So I was very happy with the form I was going into the game with. And uh, uh, yeah, that made it easier to keep controlled. Mm. It's scary to do a, a bike position change about six weeks out because it, some, it can go kind of either way, right? I mean, suddenly you have a knee pain or a back pain or were you concerned about any of that or you pretty you could feel that it worked right away uh i felt it worked right away uh because in the beginning i thought that okay i don't want to do any adjustment at all on the bike i just want to do the be more aware in training like uh doing more uh, times uh, where i'm really using my hamstring when i'm riding like just focusing on the hamstring doing single leg training Etc. But then uh, after like a week in altitude, I got the uh, uh, giant came up with new bikes, and also I got to see the Trinity bike. So I just went on the Trinity for uh, just a little spin, and then I I got like that feeling, you know, when on the bike you have uh, your your saddle much more over the crank than on a road bike. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, okay, uh, let's see how many centimeters I'm behind the crank on the propel at the moment. And then we moved it forward like one and a half centimeters. And uh, uh, I felt like, okay, it's uh, 
much more kind of the connection with the muscles that I would like to kind of, this is where I want to connect with the muscles when I'm riding. So uh, I felt it was right step straight away. That's awesome. Well, that's the thing. The fact that you had your time trial bike, that you'd been used to a, a certain position. It, it was for my bike when I, I mean, I don't mean to talk about myself, but I, I used to do so much time trialing that when I did go back to a road bike, it all, it almost was <clears throat> a hybrid bike. You know, well, I wasn't in a full road position. I started to become a bit more hybrid where I was kind of like, yeah, I'm so used to the time trial getting a little bit more forward over the bottom bracket that that, that actually works. Was there any specific kind of swim bike or run workouts that you did in preparation for tokyo that were were maybe you know where you're really thinking about the course the bike with the i guess it was what about 90 corners um were you doing a lot of that kind of vo2 power type work on the bike um or on the run was there anything specific you were doing so what so the what we did in the pool were straight away from leads we did like this either in the beginning we did two two by 15 by 100 race pace where we tried to go out hard in the beginning and then finding the race pace we wanted to hold. Uh, and towards, uh, we got closer, we were like uh, doing less and less. So in the beginning, in the end, we just did like 15 by 100 of race pace. Uh, and on the bike and run, we had really good support in Miyazaki because we were there with the Japanese team and yeah. they were helping us organizing uh, everything down there. So we had uh, the Miyazaki team, I think it was the people who's organizing the triathlon event there normally. They were like closing down uh, a course for us, very technical one, that we were allowed to do bike to run sessions on. So we did have uh, yeah, specific sessions there where we were really doing this acceleration in and out of the corners and uh, all of that. But also, the closer we got to the race, we saw that uh, the chances for having a, a wet day was just increasing. Uh, so then again, we had to think about if we want to target days where it's raining to do it as well. But then we actually ended up uh, trying to avoid it as we saw it would be nice again and comp uh, doing more and more sessions inside to compare to to be able to cut, kind of get the heat stimuli as we were looking for. Mm. How, how many weeks before did you go to Miyazaki? I think it was 10, 12 days before the games and mm. we were for like just over a week. Perfect, perfect. And, and what about the run? Was there anything, any specific workouts here where you kind of tick the box and go, okay, I'm ready to run quick here? Was there anything kind of that stood out and go, okay, I'm in the shape of my life? Uh, of, or some of the sessions were like just basic threshold sessions where uh, we did like down uh, on the dam in Forma, it's like 1K mm -hmm. over or just under. So we are running a little bit extra. Uh, on the one side and did like 2k reps uh, uh, at like 3 or 7 pace with uh, quite basic shoes you know, not any carbon shoes or uh, uh, interval shoes but just kind of those heavy shoes <laughs> and still the leg there was like too flat and it was just kind of going downwards but I didn't really want to push the pace too much either because I felt it a little bit in the foot in the training. So I, mm. so even though my lactate was like just dropping in the, and the coach was like saying, ah, oh, you can go faster. I was like, yeah, I'm not sure if I will go faster. <laughs> like, wow. so, I, so, so I knew that like the, the times versus the lactate was really good. But also I felt uh, that I was kind of balancing the very closely to get like this injury as well you know when you're feeling a little bit of pain and you're trying to keep it to yourself and trying to keep it under control and you see like from session to session and try to compare it if it's going better or worse uh so uh, i felt it was when i got uh, the closer i got the more kind of relief i got that actually i will be able to get to the games without putting myself under any injuries oh, right. That's a because you had that. Was that a foot injury you had towards the end of last year? And no, not the same, not the same at all. I had no. a leg injury last year, 
uh, what yeah. felt like the leg was ripped off, but now it was more down <laughs> at the metatars uh, on the other foot where it had mm-hmm. like this kind of, uh, I wasn't sure if it was like a build up to a fracture or not, but yeah. uh, you, you know the feeling when you're pushing hard and you're getting fit and it's always suddenly some smaller pain you have and uh, you, you try to go, when you're at the pool, you try to walk normally without the people seeing that it's, it's hurting a little bit, you know? Yeah, uh, you're living but, the edge, right? It's just constant of uh, push, but ooh, pull back. Ah. <laughs> and also it's like that close to the games, like three or four weeks left and uh, it's uh, not much else you can do than just keep following the program and hoping that uh, the body will stay together for next uh, month. Wow. And how did that feel, that foot, you know, the last couple of days into the race? Had it sort of started to go off as you tapered or was you, were you still kind of concerned? Yeah, that was getting less and less uh, uh, painful. I, I was using kind of, I found some shoes that uh, was a little bit wider with the toes. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure if I was just running with uh, two kind of too tight shoes or what it was, but uh, I felt like it was dropping off a little bit. Just, the last two weeks and also the more i felt like i had control over it the more kind of relieved and ready i felt mm. it sounds like a, a I, I often got those neuromas in my foot or pinched nerves you know laura laura had the same so I, my feet got wider and wider as <laughs> the years <laughs> went on by the end of it i was wearing 4e shoes you know it's like just <laughs> My feet could breathe. Um, so I, I understand the pain that you're in. and uh, But just absolutely fantastic. And, and I guess on that, you know, your headspace the last couple of days into the race, was there self-belief growing? Was it kind of like, I'm ready? Or was there any anxiety? What was that like? I felt very ready. Uh, uh, as I said, I felt pleased to be in a position where I felt like I'm in the fitness I want to be in this in the swim. I'm in the fitness I want to be on the bike. And also I felt technical, uh, strong in the course compared to how I've been earlier. I did the bike course uh, quite a few times before the race. So I really felt confident in the course and my own ability. Uh, and also I knew that I could run fast. Like uh, I've shown that in in Yokohama earlier and also I had the confidence that uh, I really could do the kick there in the end and also that we have done the heat prep that we needed to do to be ready so mm. it was uh, a really kind of I knew that I was ready and uh, but still it's so much that can go wrong for example I was in the shape of my life back in the test event but then I crashed out with a, a few laps left on the bike so mm. It's so so much that can could go wrong, and uh, uh, but I, I just tried to tell myself that uh, uh, I'm in a great position now. Just take advantage of it, and if it doesn't go well, it's uh, okay to be extremely disappointed. Mm, it sounds like you're in a really good headspace where you'd found you got yourself to neutral. You know, not too not too high, not too low. Just sort of finding that that neutral platform, which is a great place to race from. Was was there anything that Ariel said to you last minute? Did you guys chat sort of race morning? Was there any advice that he gave you or anything, or you guys you just you know go do what you do? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we were just kind of all all ready, and uh, we had this joke that uh, we're saying. Uh, if we doesn't, if we don't win tomorrow, it's going to be five years of wasted. You know, <laughs> more oh, kind, of, uh, <laughs> kind of putting it uh, uh, on the wall there. Uh, yeah. So we all kind of felt okay. We have uh, we got to perform. Mm. Where's that Olympic gold medal now? No, it's actually <laughs> hanging uh, on the bike rack I have down in the basement. I just picked out uh, my bag. <laughs> So no, yeah, I have to sleep with it. <laughs> I haven't found any special place for it yet. Oh mate, are you taking it everywhere you go for every interview and TV and everything? Yeah, I feel like uh, I need to do it now. Even though it feels strange to walk around with a medal, uh, but still, kind of people want to see it, and uh, uh, yeah, it's good to yeah, it's uh, it's a medal. I've been really chasing for so many years 
and also know that it's so many athletes who've been chasing it as well. And you can just like for the last basically twenty five years of the sport, it's only been five guys who's been able mm-hmm. to get it. So yeah, it's really a big one. Mate, it's it's unbelievably big and, and you've you like I said earlier, you've 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 joined an incredible group of guys, not only not only men that I respect in terms of their athletic performances on the race course, um, but just really all round great men that you couldn't find better guys to have, sit and have a beer with. And so I think you've done yourself and you've certainly done the sport very proud. And I, I think we're all very, very excited for you um, and well, well deserved. Um, what's next for you before I let you go? Um, you've got still a few things on the resume, I believe. Are you still going to do them all? Or, I mean, is this uh, speaking tour and everything going to exhaust you? So as I said before, you know, I want to win the Olympic Games and I want to win uh, Hawaii and I want to win everything. So now, <laughs> so now I have like two and a half weeks or it's two and a half weeks until race day of Frankfurt. So that's mean I have like two weeks of training. Training Get out. To, doing Frankfurt Iron Man. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so oh. it's three slots available there for Kona. So I don't really have more than uh, uh, yeah, the time to get ready. I've been peaking really for the games. So the volume has dropped quite a lot for last month. So now I just need to uh, change the muscle fibers again to be more slow twitched and uh, do everything I can do there. Because uh, I, I, I have no idea. Gust- Gustav is qualified already because of his win in this. And Casper is going to give it a try as well. Oh, wow. So Casper's joining you. Wow. And, and and haven't you got – are you doing the sub-7 thing as well? Chris McCormack, I know. Are you doing yeah, that? Yeah, but, that, but that's uh, next year in like uh, oh, it May, year, May June. So May it's still plenty of time. And uh, that's also you, – you don't want to turn up to a sub-7 without having done an Ironman before. So <laughs> – so if I get if I get to do Frankfurt and qualifying and doing Hawaii, then that is done too in the bank before turning up to the start line of sub seven. Uh, what about Collins Cup? Are you looking at doing that? Not sure, really. It's mm. it, I think it's going to be busy enough with uh, uh, Frankfurt and also having the grind final. You know, a lot of a lot of athletes don't do back to back racing of Olympic distance. But now I have to do back to back with an arm and then Olympic grand final uh, distance the weekend after. So uh, <laughs> I think I need to do some rest and training after that. Yeah, you look after yourself, mate. No, if I have one bit of advice, please enjoy that gold medal um, and all the accolades that go with it. I know you want to do you want to do everything in the sport and win everything, but oh man, please enjoy that gold medal. Um, are you going to do seventy point three worlds as well? Is that not sure uh i'm already qualified for that one so i don't have to stress with that but uh, it depends on the the plan towards hawaii if mm. if i qualify for hawaii uh, as well if i don't qualify i will do st george well well mate this has been absolutely fantastic and like i said earlier it's just i feel so privileged that you out of your busy schedule i know that you traveling around Norway now now that you're back in Bergen and doing interviews and, and celebrating with family and friends and uh, for you to spend this time, I know it's actually pretty late for you there now too, but to, to sit and spend this time with me means the world, mate. So I truly appreciate um, you just sharing everything about the gold medal and, and the physical, mental and emotional strain that you went through to make it happen. So huge congrats and, and thanks again for coming on the show, mate. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you very much. It was a pleasure and Thanks for reaching out before uh, the games as well. You know, it, it's not like it's not putting pressure on, you know? <laughs> no, 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 no pressure. It was more, yeah. I just want to make sure I line every, you know, line you guys up, you and Flora. I was like, okay, uh, I, I need to make sure I write you guys. So <laughs> I appreciate it, mate. And, I, and like I said earlier, I really do thank you for mentioning the show and you on one of your interviews. And I thought that was that really gave me a thrill. So thank you again. And um, thanks everybody for listening and, um, and sharing the show and all your feedback. I really appreciate it. And you can find all the show notes and timestamps, links and coupon codes at bennettendurance.com forward slash media. 
Thanks again, Christian, mate. I appreciate it. It's time for you to go to bed. Yes. <laughs> Thank you all. Thank you. All right. all right. Stay on the line, mate. Cheers. That was great. Thanks a lot for listening. If you enjoyed the show, your support would truly be appreciated. You can visit the Patreon page or you can subscribe with your podcast app of choice. Don't miss the next episode, so subscribe and be notified. For show notes, if you want to know more, please visit bennettendurance.com. I'm Phil Liggett, and on behalf of Greg Bennett, here's to the next time, and I hope you will join Greg again very soon.